That worship was all too brief. <clears throat> but there is something on my heart that I'd like to share with you this morning. And uh, I'd like to start by telling you about a game that I used to play as a kid. Um, I think in Afrikaans you call it something like Vechkraiperki. Is that right? Yeah? Hide and seek? Did I get it even vaguely right? Yeah, was that okay? All right. Weg crew pertigy. So, so, yeah, we used to play this game, hide and seek. Now, um, if any of you haven't played hide and seek before, um, then you missed out in your childhood. I'm sorry. Um, it's a very complicated game. So what happens in hide and seek, for those of you who never played it before, is that um, you, you choose one person who's the seeker, and then all the other kids go and hide, and then the seeker counts to a number, then has to find the kids that are hiding. Next level, hey? It's brilliant. I don't know who thought up of that. It was genius. I used to love it as a kid. And what we used to do, I don't know what you do in, in South Africa. Um, we used to count to 100. Uh, so... So, Ian, no, okay, so, so because we used to do 100, you know, it'd take a long time to go one, two, three, four. So we used to try and do it really fast. You know, you'd be like, there, against the tree, go, right. And I used to cheat. So, so I used to have this little shortcut, okay? Uh, I wasn't the only one that did this. I was just particularly guilty. I used to go, one, two, miss a few, 99, 100, coming ready or not. So that was my thing, one, two, miss a few, coming ready or not. And then I'd get on my short little grubby legs and I'd run around and find the, all the other kids. Now, I think in my Christian life, I've been guilty of doing that too. I count to one, I count to two, I miss a few, I know they're there, but I don't recognize them, and then I carry on. And you're probably wondering what I'm talking about. Good. I'm talking about baptisms. Appropriate this morning, I thought. Because in the Christian walk, you could have a hundred baptisms or more, personally. And often you only recognize the first two. You're looking puzzled. Okay, I'm going to explain. Now, some of you, um, when I say you could have 100 baptisms or more, you're going to start saying, ah, what about Ephesians 4, 4 to 6? Ephesians 4, 4 to 6 says this. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. And that's a really good point. There is only one baptism. And there are also several baptisms. I'm going to need to unpack this just a little bit. So um, this is going to be quite a brief one this morning, but I do need to explain what I'm talking about and backing it up through Scripture. Otherwise, you're going to 
burn me as a heretic at the stake. So I want to take you through our experience on our Christian journey, in our Christian life. And I want to talk about the baptisms, one, two, miss a few, 9900, okay? So later this morning, we're going to go for the second half of the service to Herald's Bay. And we are going to dunk some of you in the sea. If you're getting dunked today, just give us a wave. There we are. Yay! All over this side. So for those of you being baptized, you might think this is your first baptism. Actually, it's not. You've already had at least one kind of baptism. And I'm going to tell you what it is. In fact, if you're here this morning and you're saved, you've already experienced one kind of baptism. Maybe more, but at least one. Because if we are saved, we have already been baptized into death. Now, you might say, that sounds a bit dark. Well, bear with me. You'll see. It's actually the most amazing baptism. I wish I'd had it explained to me about 25 years ago. Because I was baptized 25 years ago, and no one explained what this was. When I was baptized, the, I had a pre-baptism course, and the emphasis was in going under the water and having your sins washed away. That was the emphasis in the water baptism. And that's actually biblical. That's true. If you look at Acts 22, 15 to 16, it says this. It says, you will be his witness to all people of what you've seen and heard. And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. So clearly the baptism there is linked to washing our sins away. Not that the actual water washes our sins away, but the point is that the faith in Christ, the calling on his name, does that. In other words, it's an outward expression of something that's happened within us, okay, when our sins are washed away. It's a washing that's done by God. Now, that was emphasized to me when I was baptized, and it's the truth. But I think there's another deeper meaning to baptism. See, water, symbol, water baptism is a symbol of another baptism that's already happened, a deeper baptism. The word baptism literally means to be immersed, to be submerged. That's what the word means. Those of you who have been sprinkled as a baby, that doesn't count as submerged. Sorry. And if you think that sprinkling as a baby is a baptism, then come talk to me afterwards. But moving on. The one way to be totally submerged is to go underwater. And that's what we do in water baptism. We're going to go to Herald's Bay, and providing there's enough water in the tidal pool, you're going to get fully dunked, fully under. Yes, it's going to be cold. It's going to be awesome. But there's another way to be fully immersed or submerged. The other way to be totally submerged is to go into the grave. And that's exactly what happened to Jesus. After Jesus died, he was buried, put in the tomb. On the third day, he rose again. He went into the tomb, and then he came out. And that was actually a baptism, an immersion in the earth. And that's what the Bible calls it. 
This is what Romans 6, 3 to 8 says. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like this. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. And if you look at the baptism that's being talked about in this verse, it isn't actually talking in the language of a water baptism. Now water baptism symbolizes this, but it's talking of a deeper baptism that happens. It's the baptism of what happens when our old selves go into the grave. Because God says that you cannot be saved unless you're born again. What has to happen for you to be born again? Your old self goes into the grave with Christ. And your new self comes to life. Is raised by a power of the Holy Spirit. That first baptism we experience is dying to ourselves and receiving forgiveness and new life. Colossians 2.12 says it in a very short way. It says, having been buried with him, with Jesus in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. If you're saved this morning, you've already experienced one baptism. The baptism of going into the grave and being born again in new life. 1 Corinthians 12.13 says this, we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. If you're saved this morning, you're part of this body. You've been baptized by the spirit into one body. But there is baptism too. So baptism one, baptism two. Baptism two is the one that we're looking forward to today. The being dunked in water. What's the significance of water baptism? So one thing I've often heard people say is, uh, does the water baptism save you? Yeah, uh, put another way, what would happen if you went through your entire life and you never were water baptized? Would you still be saved? Well, obviously you would. <laughs> Because you've already died to self and you've been raised to life with Jesus. So you've been saved. But I would say this. There's a beautiful scene that is set and prepared for you when you're saved. Ready for the water baptism. Because it's an incredible declaration, an outward expression of what God has already done in you. The baptism doesn't save you. But it declares to the world, this is what's happened. I was dead. I was in the grave. And Jesus raised me to life. I am a new life. And you declare that to people as you go into the water of baptism. Why would you not want to do this? Firstly, God tells us to do it. Acts 2.41 says this. 
This is after Pentecost. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. You believe the message, and you are then baptized. It's God's model. It's what he asks us to do. And secondly, why would you not want to declare what God has done in your life? Romans 10, 9 to 10 says this. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it was with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. In other words, understand the importance of what they're saying here. So in Romans, what this is basically saying is that salvation is actually two parts. It's what God does in you, and it's your declaration of what God has done. In other words, if you don't want to say what God has done in your life, how real is it what God has done in your life? Because if God's really saved you, you're going to be bubbling over to tell people about it. And what better way to do that than go down to Herald's Bay in front of a whole bunch of people and get thrown into cold water? You wouldn't do that unless you really had something to shout about. It's a declaration saying, I belong to Jesus. This is why we baptize openly. It's not a secret ritual. It doesn't happen behind closed doors. It's a public declaration of just what God has done in us. It's a celebration. And it can be a powerful, powerful, powerful thing. I've heard many testimonies of what's happened to people through the waters of baptism. I don't have time to go into it now, but do yourself a favor sometime. Go onto the Josh Jen website, go onto the 412 website, and read some of the testimonies of people who've gone through the waters of baptism and have had their whole life changed in that moment. It's almost like, it's almost like when, we, when we're saved, God does a work in us, and then it's almost like he waits it's almost like he says, okay, you're saved now. Are you going to be obedient? And it's almost like he waits for our baptism. And then when our baptism happens, he just floods us with blessing and favor. There's something that happens in baptism. It's a beautiful thing. It's a powerful thing. It's so important that as Josh Jen, when we bring people into membership, one of the things we ask you is, have you been baptized in water? Have you made that public statement of where your faith is? What has happened to you? So today we're going to get to see people experience that. And I hope, I would love it if all of you were there down at Herald's Bay. Because <laughs> it's such a celebration to see this, to see people experience this water baptism. We baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What? Come on! Fire! So we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what God told us to do. But that isn't the end of the story. I want you to listen to this. This is Matthew 28, 19 to 20. It says this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which is what we're going to do today. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
just to set the context of this verse and what's going on here, Jesus said this after he was resurrected, but before he ascended to heaven. So he was only going to be with the disciples a few weeks before he was um, ascending. He tells us to go preach the gospel, baptize people. Yes, okay, we do that. And then he says he's with us always to the very end of the age. But Jesus knew he was just about to go. And there's a clue here. There's a clue to the miss a few 99-100 baptisms. There's a clue to something else that's going to be happening. So we looked at baptism one, the going into the grave and being raised with Christ. We looked at the baptism two, the immersion in the water and the coming out, which is a witness and a declaration of what God has already done in our lives. But there's another baptism after that. In fact, there's a whole load of baptisms after that. Acts 2, 38 to 39 tells us what this baptism is. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you. So that's the first and the second baptism. Repent and be baptized in water, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. That's us. That's us. There's a promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit, the next baptism. And this is how Jesus is going to be with us to the end of the age. In John 16, 7, Jesus is telling his disciples that he has to leave. So this is um, before, he, uh, before he went up to heaven. He says, very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, that's the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus is saying, I know I have to go. But I have to go so you can have something else. Something better. In Acts 1, 4-5, he's about to ascend to heaven now. This is just before he does. And he tells his disciples to get ready for what's going to happen. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. He's speaking to the disciples. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You know what happens. This is Pentecost then happens. So they gather together. The Spirit of God comes down in fire. They all <clears throat> start preaching, filled with the Holy Spirit, preaching in tongues to people. They hear the people are saved. It's chaos. The world is turned upside down. Nothing is ever the same again when the Holy Spirit is poured out. And this is exactly the same baptism that every single one of us experiences when the Spirit of God comes upon us in power. In fact, you may even experience baptism in the Holy Spirit filling you even before you've been baptized in water. Because it's the Holy Spirit that creates you a new person at salvation. That first baptism into the grave and the raising to life is something the Holy Spirit does. And because of that, some people feel the overwhelming power of the Holy Spirit in that moment. 
I've heard many stories of people bursting out into prophecy or tongues or anything the moment they're saved. And in fact, that's in the Bible too. Listen to this. This is Acts 10, 44 to 48. Peter is at Cornelius' house. And this is what happens here. While Peter was still speaking these words, basically the gospel, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who'd come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So we ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Do you get that? They're saved, and then the Holy Spirit just pours out on them. They're still baptized in water because they still have to do what God has asked them to do. They still need to publicly declare what's happened to them. But they're already just flowing in the Holy Spirit. It's being poured out on them. And the best thing about this pouring out of the Holy Spirit, it's not a one-off. We're only saved once. We're only dunked underwater once, usually. But we are baptized by the Holy Spirit time and time again. In Ephesians 5.8, it says, be filled with the Spirit. And that word filled there means continually filled. In other words, be continually filled, repeatedly filled with the Holy Spirit. The ho- walking with the Holy Spirit is a daily journey of being empowered by God and his Holy Spirit within us, empowering us to things. In fact, Peter, if you read the Acts 1 and 2, Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit at least five times in the Bible that we read about. And probably many more times as well. So I'm going to suggest this. If, you've say, if you're saved and you've been a Christian for any length of time at all, you've probably been filled by the Spirit more times than you even realize. When you bring a word, when you find yourself moved to joy, because joy is one of the gifts of the Spirit, one of the fruits of the Spirit. When you find yourself... Um, prophesying over someone, bringing a word of knowledge, whatever it is, you will find yourself empowered by the Holy Spirit as he baptizes you again and again and again and again. And it is beautiful. And you probably miss some of them, and that's okay. Miss a few, 99, 100. And every single one of them is beautiful. And that is the Christian walk. The power comes on us to enable us to witness Gives us wisdom, joy, prophecy, words of knowledge. I would love to stand here and talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit more. I would love to. Unfortunately, we have a second half of the service where we need to dunk people. We need to get to that before high tide. In which case, yeah, it might get a little wetter. So let's, let's wrap this up. I did say I was going to be brief this morning. I started off with a story of how I used to say one, two, and then miss a few. First baptism and second baptism. We've thought about how if you're saved, you've already experienced one baptism into the grave and resurrection with Jesus. We talked about baptism two, the immersion of water declares our new life. And we looked on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? It's actually all one baptism, really. Because it's all about being washed in Jesus and living in him.
That's what it's about. It's where our Christian walk starts. It's our life. And it will stay our life until we go to be with him in eternity. It's a journey that starts at salvation and continues to this very day. So I want to ask, where are you on this journey? Have you experienced that first baptism? Have you known what it's like to feel the weight of your sin upon your shoulders and have said, you know what, Jesus, as you went into the grave, so I take my old life and my sin and I take it to the grave with you. Have you known what it's like for the Holy Spirit to take you and birth you a new person? Have you known what it's like to be set free of those things and leave them behind in the grave and rise with Jesus, born again to new life? Have you experienced what it's like to do that? But are you, are you yet to know what it means to go in the water? Are you yet to make that beautiful declaration of what God has done in your life? Maybe you had something when you were younger. Maybe you were sprinkled. You didn't understand it. You didn't know what it was about. But now you're saying, now I know what God has done in my life. As an obedience to God, I feel the need to go under the waters and declare to the world, Jesus is my Lord. Look what he's done in me. He's made me new. We're baptizing eight people a little bit later today. We can make that nine. We can make that ten. I'm serious. If you're being stirred in your heart and saying, this is something I need to do. This is, I don't think actually I've, I've actually done this and I want to do this. Come talk to me or chat at the end. We'll talk it through with you. And maybe you should be coming down to Harold's Bay with us and getting chucked in the water too. And maybe... Maybe you've experienced salvation. Maybe you've experienced going through the water. But maybe you don't really know what it means for the Spirit to come on you in power. Maybe that sounds a little strange to you. Maybe you've experienced in the past. Maybe you've experienced many times in the past. But maybe it feels like that part of your life, your Christian walk has dried up a little bit. And you haven't felt those fresh fillings of the Holy Spirit to empower you. So before we finish this morning, I'd actually like to pray for those three groups of people. Because I think it would be good to do before we go down to Herald's Bay. Do you agree? Should we do that? So first of all, I want to ask you. If you have never known what it means to take your sin into the grave with Jesus, to trust in him for the forgiveness of your sins, and that in his life, in his conquering death, you could have life as well. I'm going to ask for a response for you this morning. And let's do it in prayer. If we can just close our eyes together. What I'd like to do is this. I'd like us all just to pray together. A simple prayer. Before I do that, if this prayer I'm about to say is something you've never done before, would you be just raise your hand with me just so I can see where you are, just so I know you're praying this for the first time. Is there anyone this morning? I'll give you a moment. We're going to pray it anyway together. 
But if you've never prayed that prayer together, okay. Okay, let's just pray this prayer together. And even if you didn't raise your hand, if you're doing this for the first time, say these words and mean these words. Father in heaven, I come before you as someone dead because I'm dead in my sin. But I know your son died for me. I trust in him. I give my life to him. And I want to be born again new. From this day on, you are my savior. And I trust in you alone. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that for the first time this morning, and if you weren't happy to raise your hand, but you did pray that for the first time, please find me at the end. Please find me at the end so I can, um, I can talk more about this, this Jesus you've just given your life to. Secondly, there may be some of you who are feeling that maybe you need to be water baptized. And what I'm going to do is this. I'm not going to get you to lift your hand. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to pray for us. If that's you, then I want you to come and talk to me or chat at the end. Is that all right? Okay. But I just want to pray for us together. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, that, that's beautiful. Thank you, Chad. Can I get out the front those who are being baptized this morning? Come stand with me. Isn't this awesome? So you see this. I'm, I'm deliberately leaving space here. This is the space for those of you who know you need to be here as well. All right? <clears throat> There's nine. There's a late entry. Still space for more late entries. Actually, Chad, can you pray for them? Thank you, my friend. Mad cry. <laughs> yes, Jesus. Why don't we stand together? Yes. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you for these men and women here. Yeah. Lord, we thank you for each and every one of them, just as they are just making a commitment this morning before family, before friends, and declaring their obedience to you. Holy Spirit, we want to thank you for this special moment where we can celebrate with our loved ones, with our friends, where we can just enjoy, Lord Jesus, a moment of victory, a moment of victory, a moment of celebration, where we can really just testify of your goodness and your faithfulness, and we get to celebrate with them. We get to witness. We get to witness. Lord, thank you for their obedience. And I pray this morning, Lord, as they do this, like even as Dan shared, that like of those supernatural events, supernatural events, supernatural events, Jesus, in lives, choosing you and choosing you and publicly declaring in front of strangers that might be on the beach already and in front of family that we want to follow Jesus. 
Would you come, Holy Spirit, in this moment, I pray. And even right now, we pray that you would fill them, fill them, fill them, fill them, overflowing a fresh new baptism of your Spirit. That even right now already, as we stand together, God, as we stand together, that there would never, ever be a moment of falling away. There would never be ever a moment of compromise in their lives, but they would run flat out for you, passionate men and women, advancing your kingdom one step at a time, one day at a time. So would you do the work, Lord Jesus? Why don't the rest of us, why don't we just put out our hands in a place of just receiving from the Holy Spirit? And I'm going to pray just even. Can I do that, Danny, right? Just for a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit right now. Holy Spirit, would you come and would you fill us, overflowing? Fill us. Fill us again, anew, this day. We want a fresh infilling your Spirit to give us boldness and courage to run this race flat out for you, Jesus. Would you come, Holy Spirit? Come and fill us up. And as you just stand here, you just ask him, say, Holy Spirit, come and fill me anew, I pray. Come and fill me anew, baptize me afresh anew this day. I ask in the name of Jesus, thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit and that we have the freedom, we have the liberty that you give us. We, wonderful, we, we, really, we worship you, wonderful Savior, wonderful Savior. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. And Lord, even this morning as Dan's brought the word, it's been so well put, just so well presented, so simple and plain, that actually, like really, we should be able to understand this and get it. And this is a moment where we've been discipled and we've been taken forward as a people. And even for those of us who have been through this already again, it's been such a beautiful reminder of what it is. And even maybe just, even, I even just feel that even for some of us, you know, we might be in a position where we need to explain it to someone and we've forgotten how, whatever. And this morning I felt, even as the word came, there was just that, man, that made so much sense. And so the Lord would give you boldness as you go and someone asks you, what does it mean to be baptized or why or how or what? That the Holy Spirit has given you some keys and tools as you disciple those in the school place, in the marketplace, wherever you're at, as you are called to make disciples. As you are called to make disciples, that one day when you stand before the Father, He will say, well done, my good and faithful. Well done, my good and faithful. We bless you, Jesus. We bless you, Father. Amen. Can we give the Lord the biggest cheer, praise?